0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. How are you doing on this wonderful, incredible, sunny summer day? Isn't it great? (laughs) It's June. Come on weather. Even though though I like the rain, I do like those colder, sunny days. So uh, I would not mind a little bit of that before we have to move into the summer. So anyway, well, I'm, I'm glad you're here, whether you're joining us online or here in the room. Thank you so much for being here. Today is the last day of our Colossians series. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with you on the last uh, Sunday of our Colossians series, because I think that today what Colossians has for us is both encouraging and challenging at the same time, like so many of the lessons that we've learned from Colossians have been. Uh, So just as a reminder, let's—I want to kind of sum up where we've been over these past six weeks. We've looked at a lot of important things together. We've talked about the fact that there's a radical transformation of the type of people that we become when the power of Jesus takes hold of our life. We've outlined several thinking shifts that Paul has encouraged the Colossians and us to adopt— Uh, As we learn about God and and learn about how to live out our faith, we talked about making Jesus the central image of our lives and and that which we build everything else around. Uh, We talked about uh, understanding God as an inward reality, not not just an outside presence. Uh, We have talked about understanding ourselves not as isolated individuals only, but are part of and part of our identity is a community identity. We're part of a family of faith. Understanding that uh, we've been given everything we need through the Holy Spirit uh, and that uh, we can actually take enthusiastic action for the kingdom of God here and now where we live. And finally, last week, we talked about putting on characteristics of God like a uniform that we wear, but that's born out of the real change that we've experienced in our heart. So we've talked about a lot of things, and I have loved this book, and I hope it's been encouraging to you and to your faith. Well, this morning, we're going to emphasize emphasize something that we've kind of already talked about, uh, but in a slightly different way, because it's how Paul ends his letter to the Colossians. One of the things that we have uh, emphasized, we've emphasized the increasingly important aspect, and I think it's increasingly important, especially in our culture today, Uh, We've been emphasizing the increasingly important aspect of following Jesus, not just as individuals, but as part of a community. A group of people who do this journey together, who are on the road of faith together, not only as we learn and grow, but as we live that out in the world around us. As we look at the end of Paul's letter to the Colossians, uh, we hear him not just emphasizing, but pleading with the Christian community to join in. Here's what he says in Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 5. He writes this, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now, this is an incredible thing that he's writing as he ends his letter. But before we move on, I want to remember uh, to, to the context of Colossi, the, the Colossian church one more time. We know a couple things we know about this church. We know that this is a young church. Uh, They're both they're starting out not only in following Jesus, but starting out gathering together young as in, they haven't been doing this for very long And they're just learning. We also know that they faced a number of difficult cultural pressures The ruling Roman government didn't like this fringe group called Christians We know that the Jewish religious leaders uh, didn't like what they saw as a splinter group and we know that other teachers were causing problems in this area, trying to mix different political and philosophical ideologies into, in with Jesus's teaching. So Paul has spent his entire letter instructing and clarifying for this little church how to live out their faith in this world. But the one fascinating thing about this letter that I, I, um, I love here is that we don't hear that Paul is in prison until the very last chapter. If you go back and read the letter, you won't find him say anything about it until this point. And this, is, this is his, he's in the middle of his goodbyes. So this, I think, makes it really powerful because here, Paul's writing very important stuff about how to live, how to think, and he's not writing this letter in front of a beautiful morning sunrise with hot coffee and a fancy mug. <laughs> He's in chains. He's writing from a very difficult uh, place to just physically exist and very dangerous. With all that in mind, with the context and all that he's taught, all that we've talked about, what does Paul ask for at the end of this letter? <laughs> in verse 3, we read it, he writes, pray for us too, that God will give us Many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. So I love this. When Paul asks for prayer, he doesn't ask for God to uh, to open a door for his message. He's not talking about opening the door of the prison, which has happened to him before. He knows God can do that, right? He's not talking about a door for himself at all. He's talking first and foremost about our, a door for our message for the gospel of Jesus that includes all of us. It's incredible. And in, uh, so in, uh, we're reading this here in the New Living Translation, but in the message uh, version of the same verse, it says, don't forget to pray for us, that God will open doors for telling the mystery of Christ, even while I'm locked up in this jail. And in the NRSV, in it says, at the same time, pray for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the Word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ, for which I am in prison. I think it was back in week two or three. We had a a really specific focus on where it said uh, that Christ is in you all. Remember that? We talked about the idea that it's not just you, it's you all. It's a plural. It's all of us as a community. Well, Paul's using the same language here when he's writing about a door for us. For us all. Note his use of the plural, us We talked, another aspect of this is we talked about this last week and we talked about the idea uh, of the characteristics that we are to clothe ourselves with, that we are to put on our uniform that we wear as we follow Jesus. Do you remember that? We all, this uniform marks us as part of God's team. And, well, Paul takes this idea, and he takes this idea of us, and he takes this idea that we just talked about last week, about all these characteristics that we're to clothe ourselves with, and he says, great. You all look great in your uniforms. Good job. Just to be clear, the telling of the story of Jesus is a team sport. It's football, not golf, (laughs) It takes us all but you think that Paul would ask for the doors of the prison to be opened of his jail cell to be opened again so that he can be the one going out and doing the work like he's been doing but that's not what he writes and that's not what he asks for and so here's where it's both challenging for us and encouraging for us because the challenge is to us all and it's encouragement the encouragement is we all can do it through the power of God One author I read this week wrote this. This is not a pray for Paul of Tarsus apostolic holy ghost ministries.com moment. (laughs) Paul has been benched. He's been taken out of the game, sidelined, locked up. He's even chained up in the worst darkest maybe most unfruitful unfulfilling moment of paul's life as he's en route to his own cross he does two things he can't stop declaring the wonders of jesus and two he's begging the colossian community and you and me to take up the cause <laughs> wow <laughs> Incredible. It's our turn to tell the story and to talk about what God has done for each of us and what he's doing through our lives. Amen? (laughs) Another uh, author I read this week wrote this, and maybe this has been true of your experience in the past is connected with church. It's not how we do things here at Crossview, but maybe you'll relate to this. We are coming to the close, he writes, of a period of church history where the general understanding has been that to have... has been that one had to be a minister, read clergy, to have a ministry. Clergy did the ministry, and the laity helped out around the edges where needed. This model still prevails in a lot of places, but it does not resemble the church envisioned by the New Testament. Maybe that's been part of your experience of church in the past. Uh, Paul is in chains. He's doing what he can. Really he's writing really important letters to churches in this area, but he can't minister like he wants to. That's why his instruction to the Colossians and to us is so very important. Please realize, he says, what Jesus has done for you and live like it because it's your turn. <laughs> it's our turn to share the gospel message, the story of what Jesus who Jesus is and what he's done. We talk about this often around here, and you've heard me say it before, that God has called us as a church family. He's given us a vision here at Crossview Church that's larger than any of us can do on our own. It's going to take each person here, every one of us, serving in their gifting to live out the calling that God has for us as a church. That's. Maybe a little intimidating, but it's also very exciting <laughs> in the sense of we get to do this. We get to live into what God has called us to do. And we have to understand it takes all of us to do that. We want to pattern our lives, shape our lives and the way we do church uh, around the model of how Jesus lived his life. Now you're gonna. You'll see this again. We have kind of. We do this in four categories around here. We call it our discipleship pathway. You've heard us talk about this. We have talked about it together. This is who we are and how we do things. It's really important for us here. We we were talking and praying and studying and and uh, asking. Well, how does Jesus live His life? And then how can we model that as a church? So these four categories. Jesus knew the scriptures. Jesus taught all the time, and he, uh, he talked with people all about the scriptures and what that meant for their life. So the first thing that we want to do in patting our lives individually and as a church is commit to that same type of way of life that we want to dive into the scriptures we want to learn what the bible says about the person of jesus and about following god we we say you've heard this we recognize that sometimes that can be unsettling and we're saying that's okay because that can be transformative so the first thing that we want to do that jesus did is is know the scriptures and learn from them the second thing that jesus did is he gave his life to people right we, that's the. I mean, the story of the New Testament is so much it's centered around the person of Jesus and the way that he ministered and gave his life to people. So we want to do the same thing, taking loving action on behalf of other people. The next thing that Jesus did is Jesus spent so much time individually with people face-to-face, talking with them and listening to them and, and touching their lives. And so we want to do that same thing. We ask, are we making space in our lives for those close personal relationships that help us become more like Jesus. That's the third step of connecting with others. And the last thing that Jesus did was he constantly was reaching out and inviting people into their own process with him, into their own process of finding out what it meant to follow Jesus. And that's what we want to do as well in reaching others, that we want to build significant relationships where we can, wherever it makes sense, and as often as possible, invite people into their own relationship or their own process with Jesus, wherever that makes sense. That's it. That's our discipleship process. That's how we organize the church. It's even how what our budget looks like, right? It's everything for us here. We have been called to have a major impact in the world around us and in our community. And we want to do everything we can to bless people and share the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen? <laughs> That's what I want for, for my life. That's what I want for us as a church. To be as focused on Jesus in our thinking and actions as Paul was right to the very end of his life. In fact, I read one commentator, which I loved this comment, he, he wondered if Paul was so focused on Jesus, so excited about what Jesus did, that he just simply forgot to mention that he was in prison until the very end of his letter. I got to put this in there somewhere, period, right? <laughs> which I, That's kind of a fun thought. Who, we don't know, but I like that idea. So... As we hear Paul's call, as we think about all of this, are you getting excited about that? It's our, the idea that it's our turn to have the kind of role that Paul and the apostles had been leading. This idea can be intimidating, but we remember what Colossians has been teaching us all along the way. Uh, that in Christ, we're changed people with the power of God in each of us. We have what we need to take that action. Uh, living uh, as a community in the power of God, sharing the message of the gospel. We can do it. I also just want to acknowledge the reality of how some of us might feel in, in, in this. Uh, one a pastor I read this week uh, wrote this. Paul's in chains. We understand that. And we're all in process of following Jesus and, and walking closer and closer with God. One author who wrote this, he said, so many of us, Uh, Feel like we're in chains at the moment of one sort or another. We are tied up by our circumstances or tied down by our problems. We or those we love might be facing extreme and or difficult situations. Maybe others of us have become ensnared in sin that just won't let go. And so I love that we can personally connect with Paul's reality here. And even as we think about what he's asking us to do, we need to recognize that sometimes we Can feel chained down. That's why I think this letter is powerful and encouraging. Because it consistently uh, reminds us over and over again. Of what Jesus has done for us. And encourages us to live out of that reality. If you remember this from last week. uh, Colossians 2.13 and 14. It says. You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. So he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of changes, charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. We have incredible freedom in what Jesus has done for us. It's amazing. That same author uh, who wrote that, he wrote this following that. He said, it's time to move beyond Jesus' sprinkles. <laughs> to, it's time uh, for a wholesale abandonment to Jesus. The mystery of Christ, that we must have death and resurrection, not just in theory, but in fact, in our lives, and we can do it through the power of Jesus. Amen? Go team Jesus. Let's go Crossview. Woo! (laughs) Now, I think we could possibly just end right there, Uh, and there's a lot to think about and to process, even in that. Uh, It's both encouraging, like I said, and challenging, Uh, and the question for each of us, I think that we need to be asking is, how will I participate with my community in helping to proclaim the hope and the freedom that we have in Jesus. What does that look like in my life every day, every moment? What does that look like at home, at my work, in my neighborhood, with my neighbors here at the church, in the Snohomish community, in our neighborhood specifically? What does that look like? That's something that we have to always be asking ourselves. And I'm thankful because Paul gives us actually a few really practical suggestions at the end of his letter. And they're suggestions which we've tried to embody here as well. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Holly up, And uh, she's going to join me. We're going to have a little conversation like we've done before. We really like doing this. It kind of changes things up and uh, is kind of fun. Hopefully it's meaningful. It's fun for us at least. Uh, And we're going to talk about Paul's uh, practical suggestions. But as she comes up, uh, here's what he says at the end of the passage uh, here in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. He says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. The NIV puts it this way. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. And then finally, I like how the message puts it. Use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. (laughs) I like that. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation and not uh, put them down and not cut them out. I like that that version of that uh, passage. Hi, Pastor Holly. Hi. 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 (laughs) Thanks for... uh, Thanks for joining me in this conversation. Uh, so Paul ends his letter with this, uh, this practical encouragement. Uh, and I like how the message says that Use your heads uh, as you live and work among outsiders. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every, every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in the conversation. And so we kind of wanted to highlight how we've talked about doing this. And you're going to recognize this. Again, we're going to really kind of focus on that fourth that fourth step of our discipleship pathway, reaching out, and the way that we've talked about this is with what we call uh, the BLESS model. Yeah. And if you have remembered, we've been kind of fun in the sense of it's a little cheesy in the sense because it's, it's an acronym, and church acronyms by nature are just kind of cheesy, but also fun yes. and good.
1: It's, it's, it's a way to remember. It's a right? way to remember. Cheesy way to remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> But uh, we just want to continue to emphasize the the way, part of the way that we're called to, to share the story and the message yeah. of Jesus, which is by building deeply meaningful relationships with people.
1: Right. Really friendships. We've friendships. talked about this before. We're, yeah. we're talking about building friendships, becoming genuine friends with people, right? Which maybe is a little less intimidating, maybe sounds a little less formulaic yeah. um, than an acronym, but we're going to walk through why we use that
0: acronym. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and we had this great conversation this last week, Pastor Holly, with the tension that we hold between what we're saying here is, what Paul's saying is, uh, we don't, we don't want to be too formulaic, like go through these five steps and someone will become a, a believer. Right. Um, we do want to provide a framework for all of us to be able to build relationships. If you don't know how to do it, here's some great suggestions kind of thing, Right. right? And, but we don't want to miss the heart, the heart of the blessed model is about blessing someone, is about building a type of relationship where you authentically love someone and get to share who you are. And part of who you are is influenced and shaped by Jesus, right? (laughs) Hopefully.
1: Hopefully so, yeah. And I think, I would guess that if you're thinking, I do not need someone to tell me how to be a good friend, that's great, great. Um, But I would guess that if you went back and looked at how you develop relationships and how you relate to people, it's going to look a lot like this. Yes.
0: And this is a part, a significant, uh, you know, way that Jesus did it. So we've got uh, I mean, we've got uh, printouts for you. They're on our website. There's also a great book that you can read and it'll take you a little bit deeper into this. But we just kind of wanted to highlight what this looks like yeah. a little bit and talk about uh, the, the way that we uh, want to build relationships. So the BLESS model. And again, you probably, hopefully you are recognizing this because uh, we've talked about it a little, we've talked about it before. Well, the first thing that we want to do as followers of Jesus is as you're trying to develop a relationship with someone, you just want to pray. <laughs> I mean, that should be our first inclination in everything that we do. Right. But just to bathe that relationship in prayer. And uh, I think that does a couple of things. Number one, it could potentially soften the heart of the person that you're wanting to build a relationship with. It can also soften our hearts Absolutely. as well to whatever God has planned for this particular relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. And And as you said, this is step one in just about every step that we take with Jesus should be beginning with prayer, right? Whether we're we're stepping out to serve uh, someone or to connect with someone. Even our biblical teaching is to be uh, bathed in prayer. Yeah. So, And this we see modeled in Jesus' life yes. um, very, very directly. Uh, I think it's wonderful. In the first service, um, uh, someone came up and, and uh, told me that they pray daily for my family and my kids. Oh. And it was the most touching thing there is nothing more encouraging than that um just to know that he's praying and and but also to know the power of those prayers uh, is really significant
0: yeah Yeah. that's amazing so this may seem like a a really clear first step and again we're going to continue to emphasize each step of the way here this is not a formula this is not like a. this is these are essentially, you said this a long time ago, this is essentially how to be a good friend. <laughs> how to be a good friend. Uh, and so sometimes we need, we need this kind of help uh, to think through this, but again, this is about developing real, authentic, loving relationships with someone uh, just to get an opportunity to be able to invite them to their own process. Mm-hmm. The second thing that we should be doing is to listen, <laughs> to listen well, listen with care. Uh, active listening is such a gift. I, between our two services, I had more conversation about this step yeah. than almost all of these others. Even the fact like uh, I had a conversation with someone who was saying, you know, when you're talking with someone at, at coffee and they put their phone screen down on the table mm-hmm. or they turn off their phone, that actually communicates like that they have your attention. Isn't that crazy that we have to do that or that that is yeah. a, an act of love now? I'm going to put my phone down, screen down so I can't see all the notifications. I think this kind of real active type listening yeah. where you're a non-anxious presence for someone is such a rare thing in our world today.
1: It is rare where we have a tendency I think to be listening in a way so that we, so that we can, are thinking about how we're going to respond or we're thinking about how it relates to something in our own life and it's such a gift to be fully present. With, with someone and to be to hear what they're saying and to give them that full attention. You know, you um, actually have a practice of turning off all of your notifications on Sunday mornings. I know this because I try to text him and he doesn't respond. <laughs> so you turn off your notifications so that you are here, so that you're fully present with what's happening here. And I love that, I think that's a gift to to all of us here. Uh, and it's an example of how to
0: do this. Thank you, now everyone's gonna be like, oh, does he have it off this week? Yeah, right. <laughs> Text, text. Yeah, that, that, that's happened before. I'm People sure. Have tried. Yeah, yeah, I know, right. I keep trying. <laughs> yeah, huh <laughs> So this listening is a really important uh, step in terms of building a loving and authentic relationship. This next one is, uh, we love this one, eating together. This is, uh, we actually had this really fun conversation earlier, even this morning. Did you know that the beginning of the, of the Christian church for the, for the first three to 400 years, we're all in homes? They were all around tables. In fact, we're going to celebrate communion today. And that, that moment with Jesus and his disciples was not unusual for the church for the first three or four hundred years. That's just how it happened. Come into my home. Let's eat together. Let's be, you will be known and you can know me. And there's a very intimate kind of aspect of relationship in that. About four hundred years, three or four hundred years after when Christianity became the uh, religion of the empire, you had home churches that would then move out of their home and into uh, court spaces, like law court spaces, because they had they needed larger places to gather, and these were larger places to gather that could handle people. And guess what they looked like? They had rows for people to sit, and they had a space up up front where someone could speak. That's just how they did it. And so you have the model of church change because they are able to gather together. And it still exists in that sense today. And the, the kind of heart that, that, uh, that real like primary gathering in homes changed. Uh, And so this, when we say eat together, this is how we used to do it from the very beginning. And there's nothing like it.
1: No, it's amazing. I think that's, we've, it's a shame that we've lost that, right? There's certainly uh, a, a wonderful aspect to gathering like this as well. Now, yeah. 17, 1,600 years later, it's become uh, part of our, our church culture, yes. our faith culture, but nothing beats gathering around a table yeah. uh, together. And it's such a welcoming and non-threatening way to invite people into your lives and to, uh, to let them know that you are interested in their lives as well. It's a good way to do it.
0: Yeah. So what does that look like for you? How, how are you embodying this uh, as you think about building loving relationship with people? The, the next one, uh, serve, serving with love. This is just right out of the page of Jesus' life, right? We're taking loving action on behalf of other people as you get to know someone. You get to care about someone. What can you do? Uh, to bless their life, and I know so many of you do so many things like this. You, we have been blessed, so even just kind words of encouragement or, or card or or something is a significant act of service for someone who uh, I, I mean who doesn 't know the love of jesus <laughs> right, right. Uh, and it 's just incredible. We had an opportunity uh, this last week we, we have a new neighbor and uh, I'm not sure that they've got a lawnmower. And so my wonderful, beautiful wife uh, asked if we could mow their lawn for them. And she said, yeah. So she's like, okay, Kyle, go mow their lawn.
1: <laughs> and that's how you serve and with that's love. That's how you
0: serve with love. It's perfect. Yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Good job, Christina. Uh, so, anyway, I, and we did that just because we care for them as people, right? And that's a way that we could just uh, gift something to them, no strings attached, uh, but now we have a bridge of relationship where uh, we can continue to see where that grows.
1: I think it's worth noting that in in, in this way, we're talking about serving people through direct relationship, yes, through friendship, good, because good, good. you know that on this discipleship pathway that we highlight, uh, one of the uh, most significant steps or aspects of that is serving others. And in that way, we're talking about the the church serving the world, the church serving the neighborhood, and all of us collectively, corporately acting on behalf of our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we do that here through things like the food bank and the tutoring program and the different serve teams at the church. This is uh, talking about personal relationship and how can you serve the person in front of you or the person next to you in, uh, in, in a meaningful relationship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the last bit of this uh, is to share your story. And this is where, in the context of that growing, authentic, loving relationship, they get to find out about who you are. And this is where this is beautiful because you can tell about Jesus But you don't have to do it in a formulaic uncomfortable knock on the door I've never met you have you heard about Jesus kind of way, right? It's the it's the kind of relationship that uh, you can actually share I know you're struggling with this I used to struggle with something like this too Or I've had a difficult experience in my life And you know what helped? (laughs) Prayer You know what helped? My, My church family Maybe that could help you too you know, just something like that, and part the 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 key here is to just have those constant invites to uh, that to a process their own process with Jesus, whatever that looks like, time and time again, over and over again, wherever in the discipleship pr- pathway it works, and you circle around and you walk with them, and you know all of that. There's yeah. I, that's the key here.
1: Yes, you know, we I think I told you this earlier this week here at Crossview. 10 or 12 years ago, there was a summer program, a VBS program, and the the theme of that week was uh, Jesus makes a difference every day. There was a whole song and dance and actual like a real song and dance and all these things, and the whole point was that throughout that week we encouraged kids to think about the ways that Jesus made a difference in their lives every day, in their normal relationships and play and school and all of these things. And I think that's an important thing for us to do as well: is to consider what is it about my life that is different because Jesus is in it, mm-hmm. right? And then that's that's what we yes. share with others, right? Is that that they um, that that's possible for them as mm-hmm. well?
0: Yeah. So uh, this is the blessed model. This is that fourth step of our discipleship pathway. And it's something that we all can be doing. It can be a part of who we are constantly and uh, consistently. And, you know, we hope to live this out and be a group of people wherever we are, inviting other people through this relationship to their own process with Jesus. Uh, and I think that there's, there's a lot of power in this. Again, just continuing to emphasize this is not necessarily a formula. This is a framework for building Good and healthy relationships that we can all participate in and influence people toward Jesus, and who knows how they'll change our lives. Right? Absolutely, I mean that's a yeah. significant part of it as well. So, all right, thanks, Pastor Holly. Yeah. Appreciate it very much. Worship team, would you come on back up? We're going to move into a time of of, uh, of communion and celebrating. Uh, the foundation of why we do this, the foundation of why we talk about all this, what Paul, the reason that Paul asks us to live this out and why we can do that, which is the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus who gives us the forgiveness of our sins and brand new life.